Last Wednesday night, Brother John Cup from the Tyner Congregation came and talked about truth. Fruit must have light if it's going to grow. And of course, our summer series has been based around the fruit of the Spirit, the, the various manifestations in which it presents itself. Tonight, we are pleased to have Brother Steve Plemons from the Sail Creek Congregation to come, with us, come tonight and be with us. And his topic is faith. The, the uh, fertilizer of faithfulness. Now, Brother Steve was uh, worked with the East Ridge Congregation for many years, and now he is uh, working with the Sail Creek Congregation. We pr- appreciate the good work that he's doing, and uh, we need more men like him willing to uh, do this work and engage in spreading the gospel, and we appreciate that so much. When you do this properly... It ought to be one of the hardest jobs that anyone can ever have. That's the way our Lord did it, and I imagine that's the way that He wants us to carry on. And we appreciate Steve for doing that. Brother, come speak to us. Well, good evening. It is so good to see you this evening. Good to be here. And it's been a long, long time since I've been here at White Oak. Um, I have a rather long association with the congregation in the background, uh, way back in the 90s uh, when I uh, was uh, making a transition from one profession or vocation to preaching. Um, the White Oak Congregation provided support for me to go to school and help pay for my education. I'm very grateful for that and will be forever in your debt for that. Uh, and you were one of several in the Chattanooga area. Uh, that that did that for me, and I certainly appreciate that. And of course, uh, Brother J.C. Watkins, uh, who is, uh, uh, I guess, the dean of Chattanooga Preachers. Uh, Brother J.C. has been a good friend over the years, uh, someone that I have uh, turned to for his opinion on things on several occasions, and uh, love and appreciate Brother uh, Brother J.C. And then, of course, Brother Garnet Randolph. How can you not mention Garnet Randolph here at White Oak? Uh, Brother Randolph, uh, a stalwart in the church here in the Chattanooga area for many, many years. And it's good to see Sister Mary in here tonight. Uh, and then I've got friends that I knew at East Ridge, Glenda and Maria Blair and Foster and Ann Owens. Uh, we were together at East Ridge. Maria was in the singles group that I worked with. And so it's, uh, it's good, to, good to be here with you tonight. Um, the good fruit. I appreciate your your sermon, uh, summer series sermon topics this year. There's there's no better topic than than the fruit of the spirit. Uh, wonderful, wonderful passage that Paul gave us there, uh, giving us some things that we need to be striving to manifest in our lives as Christians. And uh, the title for this one: Faith, the fertilizer of faithfulness. Now, Brother J.C. called me about speaking on this series probably back in February. So I've known about it that long, and uh, within the last couple of weeks, I really started to mull over the title and how to approach it, and, and I kind of got hung up on mulling over the title, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I actually uh, <clears throat> finished the lesson today, so it's fresh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all those months, and I'll bring it down to the day that it's due, uh, but, uh, but anyway, I hope this is going to be beneficial to you as we think about this. And, and the subject that we're examining tonight is a very familiar subject, faith. Uh, we're going to look at it from this standpoint that will be consistent with the gardening motif of your summer series. Uh, and again, it is faith, the fertilizer of faithfulness. 
And I will admit right up front that I have no practical experience when it comes to gardening, when it comes to farming. I've never done either, and so I have no practical experience. I have, however, uh, consumed my fair share of fruits and vegetables. Uh, carrot cake, one of my favorite vegetables is carrot cake. I love it. Uh, fruits, I love them on, uh, you know, in glaze on top of cheesecake. I love them that with blueberries, strawberries, cherries. Good that way. Cobbler, nothing better than fruit in, in called peach cobbler, apple cobbler, blackberry cobbler. Love it all, as you can tell. Um, but from God's word, I, I do know some basic things. Uh, one thing that I know from his word is that, that seed produces after its own kind. Uh, he lets us know that in Genesis chapter 1, uh, that, that when you, you plant a, a seed for, for apples, apple tree, you're, you're going to get apples. Uh, you're not going to get oranges. It produces after its own kind. Uh, seeds have to be planted in the soil. We, we learn that from Luke chapter 8 and the seed or the, or the parable of the soils, Luke chapter 8, verse 5 and following. Uh, it is helpful if the soil has been prepared to receive the seed, and we again see that principle uh, kind of played out there in, in that parable of the soils, uh, water and light necessary for growth to happen. I, un I understand that. So I'm not completely ignorant on the subject, just mostly ignorant on the subject. Um, now, when it comes to fertilizer, when it comes to fertilizer, I have been known to spread around a fair amount of fertilizer. So we're good there. But, uh, but fertilizer... Uh, is it can can either be a chemical or it can be a natural substance that's added to soil uh, or land uh, with the idea of increasing the, the fertility and thereby of course the productivity of that soil or that land so so that's the idea behind fertilizer so our purpose tonight is to see how faith works to lead us to faithfulness unto God uh, to accomplish our goal I know of no better place in God's Word to go than the book of Hebrews. So we're going to spend some time in the book of Hebrews. And that book written in general to encourage faithfulness among people that were, were thinking about turning away from Christianity and going back to Judaism. And the Hebrew writer, whoever it may have been, uh, of course the, the main supposition is it's the Apostle Paul, but we don't know that for sure. Uh, but, but whoever that Hebrew writer was, he, he was very familiar with the system of Judaism, the animal sacrifice and all that stuff. And, uh, and he held up, uh, Christ as, as the better way. Everything about Christianity is better than anything that was under the old covenant. And, and he was encouraging them not to give up on Christianity and go back to an inferior system. And so, so it's, it's a, an epistle written to encourage faithfulness. In particular, we're going to be turning, of course, to chapter 11, the great faith chapter of the Bible. And uh, this chapter reveals to us the essence of biblical faith and just how it does contribute to living a life of fidelity and productivity in the Lord's service. So if you have your Bibles, New Testaments, you want to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're not there already, uh, be glad for you to turn over there as we begin to look uh, at this chapter. Verse 1 of this chapter says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So this verse actually doesn't provide us with a definition of faith, but rather it provides us with a description of faith. 
And it gives us two characteristics or two attributes of faith. The first one being assurance and the second one being conviction. And so faith is a matter of assurance and a matter of conviction. Uh, Brother Hugo McCord, who several years ago translated the New Testament from the original Greek, it's, it's his own translation, uh, it's called the Everlasting Gospel, and uh, Brother McCord translates Hebrews 11.1 this way. He says, Now faith makes real the things for which we hope and is proof of things unseen. Listen to that again. Now faith makes real the things for which we hope and is proof of things unseen. So what Brother McCord is saying there, uh, that, that the way it breaks down is faith grasps as a real fact that which is revealed to the senses. But it's unseen. It's unseen. Hebrews 11.13, The patriarchs all died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. And so, so here we're saying, God is telling us that the patriarchs had, had seen His promises, they had welcomed them from a distance. They, they were distant from the fulfillment of those promises. And by faith, they knew the reality of what they sought, though they died without ever physically seeing it. And so, so faith allows us to see the invisible. This is demonstrated in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. And so by faith we understand that, that God spoke this universe, spoke this universe into existence. And He spoke this universe into existence uh, from, from nothing, from nothing. Uh, and so, uh, so as James Watkins, Brother James Watkins says, uh, nothing got busy and made something in that case. And it did it on the power of God's spoken word. And, and we weren't there to witness that. We weren't there to witness that. But we know that nature attests to the fact uh, that God did, in fact, create the earth. Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talks at great length about that idea. That, that, that everywhere we look in nature, we see evidence of the hand of God in creation. And even though we didn't see it, our faith lets us know we have a conviction that it, it really happened the way the Bible says it happened. And so it helps us to see through the eye of faith that which is unseen. So um, as we see from the patriarchs, uh, faith is generally connected to things in the future. Uh, again, verse, uh, verse 13 of, of chapter 11, they had seen God's promises, welcomed them from a distance. They, they, they saw them, they, they knew they were out there, but they never saw the fulfillment of those promises. The, the main promise being the coming of, of the Christ, of the Messiah. But, but the people that lived under that old law, uh, as far as the patriarchs went, never saw that, didn't see that happen. But by the eye of faith, they, they, they grasped hold of that fact. And so, so this shows us another aspect of, of what faith does. Uh, faith in the biblical sense, uh, is, it shows us this, it, it, is, it already possesses in the present what God has promised in the future. Let me illustrate for you. By, by faith, by faith, 
I already possess a home in heaven. A faithful child of God can say that. By faith, I already possess a home in heaven. I hope for it in the biblical sense. And, of course, the biblical definition of hope is it's desire coupled with the expectation of fulfillment. It's really very closely related to the idea of the word faith. Hope is, is, is desire coupled with the expectation of fulfillment. That's what biblical hope is. And so I hope for that home in heaven. I desire it. I have an expectation based on the promises of God revealed in His Word that it is there for me conditioned upon my faithfulness. Conditioned upon my faithfulness to Him. And so we, we, we see how, how faith helps us possess now what's been promised in, in the future. I have that home in heaven. I'm not going to realize that home in heaven until the judgment day. But, but by faith, I can say I possess a home in heaven. Uh, Jesus told me in John 14 he was going to go away and prepare a place for me. And that he's going to come back so that I can be where he is. So I have that. Um, and of course, we understand that, that what produces faith Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. And the thing that we have to hear, according to Romans 10, 17, is the Word of God. The Word of God is what produces faith. It's what produces my conviction. It gives me the evidence I need to build a conviction that what this book tells me is true. And the Word of God does that. The Word of God does that for me. Um, just another example of something that we can know, uh, again, that we can know that we possess something. Uh, John 5.13, 1 John 5.13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So by faith, I can say I possess right now eternal life. By faith, I possess that. Now again, I won't realize that until the judgment day, but by faith, I possess that right now, and it's just as real as if I were enjoying it in the judgment day because of God and who He is. And so, so faith does that for us. Now, again, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And, and Romans 10, 17 tells us that we have evidence for our faith. Uh, it is produced by the evidence of the truth of God's Word, uh, we have faith because God has proved trustworthy time and time again. Uh, we see that in the pages of the Bible that God is uh, trustworthy. We, we can depend on Him. When He tells us something, as we like to say, we can take it to the bank. He, when He tells us something, it's going to be the way He says it's going to be. And we can, we can know that with no doubt. So, so we, we, we can depend on, on God because of who He is. And, and we can depend on the record that we have. The Bible itself has been proven time and time again to be trustworthy. It's been proven that it is the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. It is what it, it is. And, and that's been proven now that the Bible has been attacked many times over many, many years. And it is still standing. It has still never been proven to have any flaw, any contradiction. It's in its pages. It is a reliable, trustworthy record. 
And so, so this, this word that we possess, that we can hold in our hands, whether it be uh, in, in an actual Bible, which I still prefer uh, to hold a Bible, uh, but uh, I, there's a computer screen right here under me, and a lot of people have them on computer screens and tablets. But, but the Bible that we can hold in our hand in whatever form we choose to have it in, the actual print or electronically, we can depend on it. We can depend on it, and it is what produces our faith. It's what we use to get the evidence we need to build a conviction that, that God is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Uh, we have to believe that. That's a must. There's, there's, there's no wavering on that point. That we, we have to have that belief that God is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So, so the Bible brings us to that. So, so faith, that's faith kind of described for you. Uh, not really defined, but described. What would the definition of faith be? Well, well, biblically speaking, especially in the context of the book of Hebrews, but I think within the context of the whole Bible, the, the definition of faith is simply doing what God says to do. Just doing what God says to do. That's, that's what faith is. And uh, faith... Uh, fully described, faith described, gives us a basis on which to obey God. And so we understand also that keeping God's commandments is how we demonstrate our love for Him. First John chapter 5, verse 3, and His commandments are not burdensome. And so, so now that we've defined, described faith, we want to turn our attention now to how faith is the fertilizer of faithfulness. And uh, faithfulness is the actual fruit of the Spirit that we're dealing with tonight, even though we didn't really start there. But Galatians 5.22 is, is where you find this particular fruit of the Spirit. And uh, it, the, the word that is translated faithfulness in Galatians 5.22 is the exact same word in the Greek language that is translated faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And uh, the, the word... Basically, the, the second meaning of the word uh, is, is this. It means fidelity, fidelity. Faithfulness to a person, to a cause, to a belief, demonstrated by continuing loyalty and support. That's, that's the actual definition of that word in the Greek that, that is translated faithfulness in Galatians 5.22, translated faith in many other places. And so, so faithfulness is a natural outgrowth of faith. It, it, it just, if you truly believe in God, if you're going to obey God and do His will, do His commandments, then, 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 then this is going to be the natural outgrowth manifestation of your faith. Uh, you're not going to be just a hearer of the Word. You're going to be a doer of the Word. And, and, and we understand that, that, that faith that saves is an obedient faith. It requires us to do something. It requires action on our part. And, and so, so faithfulness comes out of that. But, but when we think about faithfulness, we, we think about the idea of continuing our loyalty, our support, uh, being someone who can be relied on, uh, being in Christ for the long haul, and, and I know y'all have talked about endurance and, and patience, and, 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 and so that's the idea of, of faithfulness. Now, now, as usual, God provides us some help. 
God never asks us to do anything that He does not equip us to do. He, he equips us for every good work. And, and He never, never asks us to do anything that He doesn't provide the help that we need to achieve what He's asked. And this is, this is no exception to the rule. Uh, God provides help for us. And now we're going back to, to Hebrews here. One thing He provides for us, we're, we're skipping ahead a little bit. We're going to get into chapter 12 just, just that much in chapter 12 of Hebrews. He provides us, according to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Faithfulness. That's what he's talking about here in, in Hebrews 12, verse 1. He's talking about faithfulness. Uh, and, and he says that, that, that we have this great cloud of witnesses that spur us on to faithfulness, to laying aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily besets us so that we can run with endurance the races set before us. Now, I know you've heard it before uh, many times. I'm sure Rick has told you this. Uh, when you become a Christian and you enter the race, you're not entering a sprint. You're entering a marathon. You're, you're entering a marathon. You're going in, into this thing for, for the long haul. Now, we understand that the way life is, uh, the, the fragility of life, the, the brevity of life, uh, that, that for some, the race may not be as long as others. And you can look around this room and see that, that very thing, that there are some in here who, not to judge on appearance, but I'm judging on appearance, got a lot of white hair, and y'all been in the race a while. Some of you been in the race a long time. I know Foster and Ann Owen, they've been racing a long time. And uh, Foster's getting slower and can beat him now. But, but, but they, uh, they've been racing a long time. Sister Randolph, racing a long time. Uh, Rick's daughter's probably not racing as long, you know. So, uh, but, but when you sign up for it, when you enter the race, you're entering a marathon and you've got to develop that endurance, which I know you've, you've talked about. But, but this cloud of witnesses that God has given us to spur us on here, the idea here uh, seems to be that the faithful in chapter 11 are, are witnesses whose lives testified of their faith. So we're talking about a witness in kind of a legal sense. Uh, somebody that would go into a courtroom and put their hand on a Bible, I guess they still do that, and, and affirm to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and give testimony about something, testify about something. And, and, and these people that, that he talks about in chapter 11, and we're going to go back and talk about some of them briefly, but these people that he talks about in chapter 11, that's the cloud of witnesses he's referring to, and, and it's their lives that have testified of, of their faith. Now, it is also possible to, to look at this as the idea that, that they are surrounding us and, and watching us and cheering us on. And that, that's certainly a comforting picture. And, and I wouldn't d deny you uh, that uh, idea. Um, I, I don't think it necessarily does any damage to the text to think of it that way. But I think in the, in the legal sense, in the, in the sense of the context, uh, we've been reading about these people in chapter 11. We haven't yet, but we will. Uh, and and so, so it's their lives, their faithfulness that testifies to us and encourages us. And, and so their testimony is, of course, presented to us in Scriptures, in the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, 
and by the Word of God. So, so that's what we have to hear is the Word of God. And, and God has provided the testimony of their lives for us. Uh, in, in chapter 11, in capsule form, uh, we could go back and read the Old Testament. Rick said preach till I got through, but uh, we'd be here till Sunday morning probably. So we won't do that. We'll, we'll look at the encapsulated form in chapter 11. Uh, but, but chapter 11 reminds us of those who were faithful under the Old Covenant, under the Old Law. Uh, he, he starts out in verse 4 uh, with Abel. Abel expressed his faith in, in proper worship. He worshiped God in the proper way. His sacrifice was accepted by God. So Abel expresses his faith in, in worship. Uh, in verse 5, he talks about Enoch. And Enoch expressed his faith by walking with God. And, and Enoch was so successful in that walk with God that he didn't have to face physical death. God took him uh, Enoch was and he was not because God took him. And so he was so successful in walking with God. Here was a man that, that was truly, truly a friend of God. And, and, and so, so he, he expressed that in, in his walk with God, something that we, both things are things that we need to do. We need to express our faith in, in acceptable, proper worship before God. And, and, of course, in our walking with God, the, 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 the uh, sister passage that uh, y'all are using is Ephesians chapter 5 where it talks about walking in the light uh, and, and walking as children of light. And, and, and of course in, in Ephesians, Paul talks a whole lot about the Christian walk and, and that's where the rubber meets the road for the Christian is in, in not just hearing the word, but in taking the things that you hear and putting them into practice in your daily life and, and walking in those things and walking in a manner that's worthy of your calling in Christ Jesus. And so Enoch, he expressed his faith by walking with God. Noah, in, in verse 7, Noah expressed his faith uh, in working. Uh, Noah was instructed to, to build an ark. Uh, as far as we know, nobody on earth had ever seen a drop of rain. And God told him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark. I want you to build this big boat and then gather these animals. And, uh, and I'm going to make it rain. And, and Noah did that. Uh, Noah was a man, he was a preacher of righteousness. Peter lets us know that about him. Uh, he, he worked for over a hundred years doing that. Uh, and, and, and don't you know he was ridiculed greatly by, by the people that would walk by and see this huge structure that this man's building and, and you know, just, just probably thinking he's just completely off his rocker. Uh, and so, so Noah expressed his faith by doing what God told him to do. He, he expressed it in, in the work that he did. We need to do that same thing in our work for the Lord. We need to, we need to uh, show our faith, not just in, in church work, but on our day-to-day -day jobs. If you were in secular employment, uh, that's a great chance for you to show who you are by your, your actions and your attitude, uh, by walking as a child of light. Uh, if you're in school, uh, around your classmates, Great opportunity for you to to do that by by showing, uh, you know, through your life how how you're doing and 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 so in in whatever vocation you might have at this stage in life, whatever you're doing for work, whether it be as a student or as a, as a worker on a secular job or wherever, you know, show show your faith in your work. Noah did that. Abraham verses eight through ten. Abraham's faith trusted God's leadership. Uh, Abraham, uh, 75 years old, when he's told to leave the land of his fathers and go somewhere that God was going to show him. And Abraham struck out. Of course, he was Abram at that point, but he, he struck out and went. 
And so he, he showed his faith and trust in, in, in God's leadership there. Uh, Sarah, faith uh, is, is shown in that she trusted in God's power. And uh, in, in that's mentioned in uh, verses 11 and 12. And then Abraham mentioned again in verses 17 through 19 of Hebrews 11, uh, the supreme test of his faith was when he was told to take that child, that son of promise, Isaac, uh, who was a type of Christ, uh, and he was told to take that child and sacrifice that child to God. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting what, what's said here, uh, verse 17 of chapter 11, uh, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type, as a type of Christ. And, and so, so Abraham, as far as we know, the Bible doesn't say that he ever saw anybody raised from the dead, but in his mind he figured that if, if he had to go through with this sacrifice, he was going to go through with it. He, he was a man of faith. And, and, and in his heart of hearts, he knew God had some kind of plan. And, and, and the plan that he came up with is he'll raise this boy from the dead. And, uh, and of course, we, we know that God certainly could have done that had, had he allowed the sacrifice to continue. But, but a supreme test of faith there. And then uh, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, mentioned in verses 20 and 22, um, and, and, and they showed their faith by looking forward, looking forward to, uh, to, to going down into Egypt and, and coming out. And, and so they showed their faith in looking forward. Uh, in verse 23, we have uh, the faith of some godly parents that are mentioned here. Uh, not mentioned by name right here, but, but they, they were the parents of Moses, uh, Amram, and Jochebed. And, of course, we know that, that the Bible tells us that it was by faith that they... Uh, hid that little boy, and so so they were godly parents demonstrating their faith. Uh, and then, of course, the faith of Moses, verses 24 through 29 of Hebrews 11. Uh, Moses, uh, raised in the household of Pharaoh, uh, of, uh, was, was given the finest education that probably existed at the time uh, in the world, in, in that Egyptian education that he received, could have had wealth, riches, uh, a life of ease, but he chose not to do that. He chose not to be a son of Pharaoh. He rather decided that he would suffer with God's people rather than to, to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And so, so, so we, have, we have Moses there in verses 24 through 29. And then um, we have uh, faith going forward in verses 30 through 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say, for time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword uh, from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. So they were looking... At the, at the future of, of Israel and going forward in, in faith, demonstrating their faith that way. And then, of course, we have them trusting God in victory, beginning at verse 32, which, which we just read part of, and picking up um, 
verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they may, might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. And so those folks that died in faith under that old covenant are going to enjoy the same rewards that we're going to enjoy under the new covenant. They, they didn't see the promise yet, but, but they're going to. They're going to see those things. And so, so here we, we see we have this great cloud of witnesses around us. And, and then finally here, here's, here's part of the key. Look into those folks. But, but look what he says going on in, in Hebrews chapter 12 beginning at verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart." So all those folks that lived by faith in the Old Testament are great examples to us, but Jesus Christ is the ultimate example. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The, the folks that lived under the Old Testament, they had fixed their eyes on Jesus. Now, they may not have fully understood, but they knew that God was promising them something better in the future, and by faith they laid hold of that and possessed it as if it had already happened. And so, so they understood that something better was coming. Their, their faith moved them to live faithfully, looking for the first coming of the Messiah. That's, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for his, his advent, his coming into this world. And, and so uh, those folks, a lot of them that we read about there, never lived to see that, didn't, didn't live to see that. And, and, but, but they had their eyes fixed on that. And, and the faithful today under the New Testament, we also have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus uh, and the example that he left us, his, his witness, his testimony, the testimony of the life that he lived, a sinless, perfect life that he lived as a man on this earth. We need to fix our eyes on that. And, and through the eyes of faith, we, we're on the other side of this thing from the folks under the Old Testament. And so, so through the eyes of faith, we can see him on his throne at the right hand of God. We, we can visualize that. We know that's where he is at this very moment. The Bible tells us so. And so, so we, we see him on this side of things. And, and we, too, are looking forward to his coming. Not the first one, but the second one. We are looking forward to that second coming of Jesus Christ. And so we need to keep our eyes fixed on the fact that Jesus is indeed coming again. Uh, Christianity is unique in the world among religions because we're the only one that's got a Savior that claims He's coming back. He don't just claim it. We know He's going to do it. He promised it, and He will do it. We don't know when, 
But we know that he is coming back. And, uh, you know, uh, Muhammad, he's dead in the grave. He ain't coming back. Muhammad's not coming back. Uh, Joseph Smith, he ain't coming back. He's not coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. And we need to look forward to that with anticipation and keep our eyes fixed on that fact. You know, this is the advice that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in, in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians is, is most likely the oldest of our New Testament books, the first one written. And as Paul was thinking about, and of course he was writing by inspiration, but uh, in sending this message to that church, uh, those, those Christians there who had come out of paganism, had turned from serving idols to serve the true God, uh, what did he want to encourage them with? He wanted to keep before them and encourage them with the fact that they needed to remember that Jesus Christ was coming again. He used that to help encourage them and to help motivate them to faithfulness. That's what Paul chose for his message to those folks. And, uh, and so he used that to motivate the church at Thessalonica. And so we need to remember that's our motivation. That's our motivation. We've got a Savior that's coming back. He's promised me He's going away to prepare a home for me in heaven. He's promised me He's going to come back and He's going to claim the church. He's going to claim God's children and He's going to present them up to God and we're going to be there with Him for eternity. And we need to remember that. We need to look forward to that fact with, with, with anticipation, with longing, and, and, and we need to be able to truly pray Lord, come quickly. And I don't know about you, but when I look around the news and the world that we live in today, uh, it gets easier and easier to pray, Lord, come quickly. It really does. And so we need to look forward to that. In, in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 14, the Apostle Paul wrote these words to Titus. He said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds." And so that's what we need to look forward to. And as we look forward to that, we need to be busy being zealous for good deeds. A saving faith is an obedient faith. It's a faith that works. So in conclusion, faith, the fertilizer of faithfulness, faith defined doing what God says to do. Faith as described in Hebrews 11.1 1, provides the basis on which we obey it gives us assurance and conviction regarding things that are real but cannot be seen with the physical eye. It, it helps us to see the unseen. And it allows us to possess in the present what God has promised in the future. That's what, that's what faith does for us. If I'm a faithful child of God, eternal salvation is mine right now, today. Now again, it won't be fully realized until the judgment, but I possess it by faith right now. So faith comes by hearing, and, and we must hear the Word of God, and we must have faith, Hebrews eleven six, His Word, which has been proven time and again to be inspired, totally reliable, gives us the evidence that produces faith. His Word gives us example after example of people 
who with their weaknesses and with their shortcomings, not a one of the people that was mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 was a perfect individual. And when you go back to the Old Testament and read their full stories, you see them warts and all. And that's one of the things that lets us know that this book is true. Uh, a human book would want to uh, have the hero portrayed in the very best light. The Bible doesn't do that. It shows us folks warts and all. And that gives hope to you and me because none of us are perfect either. I've got my faults. I've got the things I struggle with. You do too. We're not perfect people, but we see by their example that we can, through faith, be justified and acceptable to God. And so this is great encouragement for us. The Scriptures allow us to fix our eyes on Jesus, living in anticipation of His second coming, and being faithful unto death. And, of course, we're all familiar with Revelation 2.10. And, of course, in the context there, what, what uh, is revealed is that even if being faithful is what is going to cause your death, you be faithful unto death. Don't deny your God. Don't turn your back on your Lord. Be faithful unto death. I hope this has been a help to you tonight. I know I rambled on a long time, uh, but uh, I do hope that it was uh, of benefit to you. Again, I appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight. As we're gathered together this evening, uh, we always want to offer an opportunity uh, for anyone that, that might be here tonight. Uh, number one, who's never obeyed the gospel. Uh, we would love for you to put the Lord on in baptism tonight, uh, and that can be done. All things are ready. Uh, it requires you believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Upon believing that, you want to turn from your sins, realizing that it's sin, your sin, that put Him on the cross. You want to turn from your sin. That's called repentance. You want to confess with your mouth that you believe Jesus is the Son of God before this audience. And then you want to be buried with Him in the waters of baptism. You're, you're baptized into His death. Romans chapter 6, it's in His death where his blood was shed and that's where you contact his blood is in the waters of baptism it's 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 god and you your obedient faith working with god's mercy and grace that brings that about and then you're raised out of those waters to walk in newness of life you're a new creature your sins have been washed away if you've never done that, you can do that tonight. If you're here as a Christian and, and things are not right between you and God, uh, if it's something of a public nature, of course, we invite you to, to come and to, to acknowledge that. And your brothers and sisters here are going to love you, pray for you. And, of course, they're going to forgive you. And you know God's going to forgive you. If you've got a truly penitent heart, He will. We appreciate our, our good brother Wayman and his desire uh, that was expressed uh, at the beginning of the, the service tonight. And uh, we'll certainly keep him in our prayers. I didn't recognize him. I knew I knew him, but he, he didn't have his suit on from the funeral home. And so I, I didn't recognize him at first. But, but we're, 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 we're proud of you, and, and we, we will keep you in our prayers. But if you have a need, we ask you to come while we stand and while we sing.